Welcome to the Central City Podcast. I'm Joe Graves, uh, pastor at Central City Church, and uh, excited to have you with us. Um, we're changing a few things on our podcast, so I wanted to let you know that. Um, we've started sharing our testimonies, our faith stories, every week in church, and we've decided to include these as part of our podcast so that you can hear um, real people talk about uh, their relationship with God in real ways. So at the beginning of the podcast, you'll hear a brief story, about four or five minutes, and then after that, we'll get into the sermon for the week and uh, whatever series we're in. So thanks for listening, and we hope that God meets you during this time. Hope you had a fabulous Thanksgiving. As Joe said, I'm Julie Moore. I um, started attending Central City pre-pandemic, so I'd been here a few times, and um, then the pandemic hit, and we all shut down. And so I've gotten to meet a few people from Central City, but I'm looking forward to meeting more. And um, as Joe said, I'm just going to share a little bit of my story. So I grew up in really a a non-Christian home. I mean, we were Christians in that we weren't Muslim or another faith, but we weren't practicing. It wasn't a part of our regular, um, you know, faith or or day or comfort or anything like that. But I came to know the Lord in high school in a very um, conservative, charismatic church and um, really grew to know just how much God loved me and the faith of the people in that congregation was just amazing. And um, that has really carried me throughout my life. So as my faith journey has grown and changed, I just have always had that strong foundation since then of this deep and abiding faith, knowing that God loves me for me, that he's for me, that he is a God of miracles, that we can always trust in him, and that he'll never leave us or forsake us. And um, that really was struck home to me in a verse that I'd like to share with you today. It's Joshua 1.9, and it's, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And so that really became almost kind of a mantra to me through my Christian walk. Like whatever I was facing, I'd be like, okay, I can trust God. And it's not just a suggestion, like, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. It's a, it's like, I've commanded you, (laughs) do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. I am with you. And so that verse has just strengthened me for years. It first really came to me, um, as a single mom, so I was single and pregnant in my 20s, and um, thankfully I had a lot of support from my family and friends and even my church at the time, but, um, you know, it was scary, and I really leaned into the Lord then, and um, later I entered Christian ministry to help other single moms. And then I've also been on overseas missions trips. I was uh, risk Chinese prison <laughs> at one point, and I've been to Cambodia, and you know, just the challenges of life, health crisis, and parents 
you know, passing and, and all of those things. And it encouraged me as I advanced in Christian ministry. So as I took on bigger roles, you know, it's always um, scary to do something big and new and challenging. But that verse uh, stood with me then. And then it also held me um, when I fell in love with my partner, Kara, and um, was forced to choose between my work and my love. And I chose love, and she's here with me today, so give a little wave, Kara. <laughs> um, so falling in love and leaving my workplace and this network that I had was really challenging. And especially, that was kind of all as the pandemic was hitting. So it's very isolating. I mean, we were all isolated anyways with the pandemic. But um, in many ways, it felt like a shunning from this conservative Christian network that I was in, even though I prayed and was happier than I'd ever been and knew that God was for me. You know, not everyone saw it that way. <laughs> and, um, you know, so that's tough. That hurts when um, people aren't for you or connected to you like you kind of thought. Um, but I love the Lord, and I know he loves me. And I deeply believe that he's given Kara to me as one of the greatest gifts of my life. And so I'm so thankful for that. And I'm really also thankful for Joe and Alyssa and the Central City family. And just that all of you have um, a heart to be affirming and inclusive because we know God's love is greater than anything we know here on earth and that it is boundless. And so I just thank God for you guys and um, thank you for having me today and for being a reconciling ministry. Thank you. Thank you uh, for sharing, Julie. What a blessing to have you here. And uh, I've really enjoyed getting to know you all. And uh, thanks for sharing your story. Uh, next week, we will be doing a, uh, uh, our community Sunday, first Sunday of the month. And so we actually won't be meeting here. We'll be meeting at Little Bottoms Free Store. So uh, mark that in your calendar. Same time, just different location. And our testimony will be coming from Little Bottoms Free Store. So it's going to be uh, extra special. You'll get to hear a little bit about Little Bottoms in here, I, I believe. Um, hear some stories. So that should be really great. Also an opportunity to, to serve after a shorter service. So we'll be decorating little bottoms and wrapping presents and decorate, uh, creating ornaments. It's going to be a blast and also do a lot of good. So it's just a, a win-win all the way around. That's next week. But um, in the future weeks, uh, in rest of December and into January, we do have open spots. So if you haven't shared your story yet and you're willing, please let me know. Uh, you can sign up on our website if you go to centralcity.co slash news. Uh, every story is different. Yours isn't going to be like anyone else's, and we would love to hear it as well. So please take time to do that. We're going to start today with a little bit of game. And so it's only going to be fun if you participate, which means uh, um, I need you to, 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 to talk uh, out loud. And so why don't you just say something just to practice? Just uh, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can we get a few of those? Yeah, we have some, are you able to make noise this morning? Uh, that's good. All right, so everyone loves a good rivalry, um, and I've got a few that I've gathered up, and we're going to play a game, which one is better? So... Uh, to go for the Jimmy Fallon game um, uh, feeling here. Uh, which one is better? Round one, there's two rounds. Uh, round one is, uh, the first one will start easy. Cake versus pie. Sorry, you guys will have to advance each one. Cake or pie, let me hear. I, I'm, I'm hearing a little bit of both. I'm hearing a little bit of both. I'm gonna say that it's, uh, I'm gonna call it tie. All right, next one. Uh, football versus soccer. Oh, see, we got, I think we're a little divided on this one too. Or neither. Any, any don't cares? Yeah, we got a few of you as well. Good, good. All right, next one. This is, this is a good one. DC versus Marvel. Any opinions on that? I, I'm going Marvel on this one as well, friends. I'm, I'm a big fan, so Marvel's going to win it for me. That one's better. All right, next one. <laughs> Is it too soon? Too soon? Uh, I think we have a few Michigan fans in the house, though, even though we're right here in Columbus. You don't have to, you don't have to announce it, but you're welcome to if you want. Um, just uh, at your own risk. Uh, uh, one more, one more. Uh, we've got Canada versus America. Any opinions? <laughs> I, I, you know, whenever something goes wrong in our country, people are like, I'm moving to Canada. So I was just curious if some people would pick Canada or not. All right, so that's, that's the end of round one. I'd, I'd say that, uh, that, honestly, of all of them, cake and pie was the most valuable. All right, round two. Round two. All right, for this round, I don't want you to answer. All right, changing the rules. So just be quiet. We're gonna change the tone a little bit. No answers. In fact, if you answer, you'll get me in trouble. So don't answer. Don't answer, I just want you to think about how it makes you feel. All right, just reflect on, reflect on it. Here's the first one, which one's better? <laughs> me or my wife? All right, let's look at the next one. Which one's better? We all know Finn would win this one if I let you answer. What's next? Which one's better? Melissa or Fen? Now, you can put those down. It's funny at first, but if you think about it, how many would say that that's not an appropriate comparison? That, that, round one is not the same as round two. That, like that, you don't, if you play that game in your family or in your community, like, and you actually played it, like, how is that ever gonna end not poorly, right? How, that's not appropriate, that's not the right question to even be asking because that's not how families are supposed to work, correct? Yeah, I agree. That's not how families work. That's not how families are supposed to work. I would say it's not how friendships are supposed to work, and it's not how the church should work. Yet, if we're honest, we don't play it as a game, but we do this all the time, don't we? We compare each other, trying to see how we measure up, see who's better, we do it sometimes in our families. I, I, spent, I spent time with my family, and um, one of the things that I love about my brother James is that he's a great dad, just a really good dad. I didn't tell him I was going to say this. It's not even in my notes, but he's a really good dad. I spent a couple times this Thanksgiving thinking about whether I was a good dad. 
because he's just, you know, it makes you think. I'm like, well, am I, am I as good of a dad as he is? Well, that's not how families work, but I don't know. Am I the only one? Well, we do it. Who's better, me or you? This is exactly what the disciples were doing in Matthew chapter 18. That's our scripture reading for today. I'm going to read it. This is what happens at this time, Matthew 18.1. It says, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now, they didn't turn into a game, you know, into a game show, but they might as well have. They want to know how they rank. They want to know how they compare to each other, and they want to know who is the greatest. Who is better, Matthew or John, Luke or Andrew, Peter or James? And, and, and if you're going to choose to go up to somebody, you might as well go up against Judas because, you know, I feel like your chances of winning are pretty good. <laughs> you know, when we read this question in our biblical text today, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, we should feel about that question the same way we felt when I threw up on the screen a picture and I asked, who's better, Alyssa or Finn? Oh, what do you mean, who's better, Alyssa or Finn? That's not how it's supposed to work. And that's what Jesus is going to try to explain to them. Jesus is going to teach them how it's supposed to work in the family of God, in the community of God. In the family of God, what he calls the kingdom of God. Verse 2, he, Jesus, called a little child to him and placed the child among them. So Jesus gets asked this question, who's the greatest in the kingdom of God? And he brings up a child, and he says, you know, and there's something about children that disarms us. You know, this kid is supposed to remind us of our families or what it meant to be a part of a family, um, what, what, it, what it was like to have parents who look after us. So he brings this kid up to the group and he says this, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Over the season of Advent, we're going to look at Christmas like a child. What does it mean to become like a little child? So he pulls this little kid up, and he says, unless you change and become like this little child, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. That's some strong language. You know, it's funny, because the disciples wanted to know how they ranked in the kingdom of heaven. They wanted to know how they ranked in the kingdom of God. And Jesus responded by saying, well, let me tell you how to get into the kingdom of God, which is kind of assumes that if you're asking the question, where do I stand in God's family, the answer is, well, if that's the question you're asking, then you don't really know what it means to be in God's family. So let me tell you how to get in. Let me tell you how to arrive. It's not an appropriate comparison. That's not the right question. That's not how families work. So with this little kid at his side, maybe with snot hanging out of his nose, dirt on his face, most likely uh, some kind of street rat, dirty, uneducated, poor, he says, you want to become a part of my family, my kingdom, become like this little child. What does it mean to become like a child? I, I can't ponder that question long before I think about Finn. Um, and I can't help but uh, think of Finn as, the, as that kind of like that little boy that Jesus pulls aside and halfway through, uh, he'd probably be complaining that Jesus was talking too much and he'd be bored if I know Finn at all. Um, maybe uh, many of you know what it's like to have a five-year-old in the house. For the rest of you, I'll share what it's like. Uh, I can't speak for all children, but I can speak for Finn uh, as much as I'm allowed. And here's what the world looks like through the lens of Finn. I've written down a number of things that Finn has said. I posted them on Facebook. Many of you have read some of these. Uh, I went and tracked them down. And I think they sum up pretty well what the world looks like to a four or five-year-old. Here's some of the things that Finn says. Here's how he views the world. Here's the first one. Uh, he said, Finn said, did you know that bones are creatures that live inside people's bodies? <laughs> I'm not sure how I was going to respond to that. Next one says this. He says, um, I say, Finn, do you know where we are at? And Finn said, yeah, we are here. 
Let's, just, let's always remember that. We are here. Next one. Finn said, when I have bad dreams, I just skip them. You can tuck that away as a little piece of wisdom for you. You know, and also uh, 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 an example that uh, Finn's reality is shaped deeply by the play and pause button of his iPad. Next one. Finn says, don't touch me, you'll ruin my magic. <laughs> How many uh, can relate? I've, I've felt that before. <laughs> don't touch me, you'll ruin my magic. All right, next one. He says, I pee out of my eyes. Most people would call it crying, but he's not wrong. Next one. Why are these called pants? They are just one pant. They should be called a pant. It's very astute observation there. It reminds me of like a Mitch Hedberg joke or something. Anyone familiar with him? Next one. Uh, Finn says, there's also an earth that's in our hearts. The earth in our hearts where people live in our hearts. And there's a galaxy in our hearts too, a galaxy where God lives. I don't even, don't even know what's going on there. That's big. Uh, the last one, one of my favorites. Do phones grow into iPads? <laughs> you know, you can take this down. There's a theme through all of these. Finn, like all of us at one point, is experiencing the world for the first time. And everything is new. He doesn't know anything unless he learns it or assumes he knows it. He's trying to make sense of the world. Uh, there's this clean slate trying to figure it all out. And there's, there's a beauty to looking at the world as if you had never seen it before. I think in many ways this is what it means to be like a child. Starting over, relearning to look at the world and see possibilities only. One time Jesus met with a religious teacher and he asked him about the kingdom of God and it was this guy by the name of Nicodemus. And you know what Jesus told this guy? He was an older man uh, who had you know, been following God his entire life. He says, you want to enter the kingdom of God? You have to be born again. It's a term that's been co-opted by a number of Christian uh, traditions to mean a lot of different things. But I think when you study scripture and you compare the passage today with that passage, it's pretty evident. Jesus is saying the same thing. You, to enter the kingdom of God, you have to be born again. You have to enter it as a child. You can only enter God's kingdom as a child. Here's another way of thinking about it. Here's what I'm trying to say. Jesus wasn't interested in adding his teachings or his way of life, his way of viewing the world to something you've already learned. So you, you go your whole life, you learn all of these things about how the world is supposed to be, and then Jesus comes on and you add that on top of it. No. You don't get the pile Jesus' is teaching onto everything else that you think you know. He's not adding to an already worthy cause. Jesus, when he says, enter like a child, when he says, be born again, he says, to enter the kingdom of heaven, you have to be willing to start over, to begin again to relearn everything, to pretend you are experiencing the world with a fresh perspective. You know, in some circles, it's popular to talk about deconstruction. Um, you know, deconstructing of your faith, deconstructing of the world, and there's a lot of that going on in our community. I think that's just another way of talking about discipleship, though. Unlearning one thing so you can learn a new way 
of thinking as Paul talks about the renewing of your mind, choosing to begin again, to be born again, to enter like a child. That's one way to think about what it means to be like a child, but it's not the only way. I I read this in the commentary throughout the Bible. If you look at all the different places where children are celebrated, you see this. um, It can mean being humble. It can mean being innocent, without lust. Hadn't thought of that before. Open and trusting, spontaneous, vulnerable, independent. Allowing oneself, and I love this one, allowing oneself to be given a gift without a compulsion to deserve it. Somewhere along the lines, as we grow up and leave our childhood behind, we feel like we have to earn and deserve everything. And I love that about kids is there's an assumption they they can have it and they don't have to deserve it. Oh, if we could capture that, we'd have a better understanding of God's grace, wouldn't we? Hold on to that one. These are some good examples of what it means to, to, for children, what children have to offer us. I will say, children, uh, next week we're going to talk about what it means to be like a child but not like that. And we're going to talk about what the Bible says that's not great about children. So that's for anyone, that's for next, not next week, but the following week. Um, but these are some good things that children have to teach us. But of all of these, Jesus is focusing on one above all others. There's one aspect of being like a child that he says is essential to belonging to his community, to his family, to his kingdom. Verse 4 says this, Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. You see, he's still talking about who's best. He's still talking about who's better. And in their world, children were pretty low in the hierarchy, just, just above slaves and just below women, very low on the social scales. And he says that if you want to be great in God's family, well, you're not going to become great the way the world says you're going to be great. The world will tell you that you are great for a lot of reasons, because you're talented, because you're smart, because you're powerful, because you're rich. The world will tell you you're great simply because you're a man, simply because you're white. The world will treat you as special. The world will treat some people as better than others for all kinds of bad reasons. But that's not how God's family works. If you want to be great in God's family, you have to not only accept the character traits of children, but he says, accept the status of a child. To accept a lower status. To become dependent and needy. Children had no vote, no power, no decision making. Think about the Christmas story. God came as a child. Imagine imagine what that would be like. To lay aside all of the power and all of the freedom that God has. A lot more power and freedom than we have. (laughs) Lay about all that power, all of that knowledge, and lay it aside to become someone young and vulnerable, crying in their mother's lap without any ability to take care of themselves. Imagine how much was surrendered when God became a child. Not just God in human form. God could have shown up as a, you know, like as a Marvel character. God in the flesh, you know, with power, Greek God of some sort. No, he came as a child. Helpless. Probably not a silent night. Crying. That's the Christmas story. And this is what I want us to get today. God insists that we have our own Christmas story. We have to have our own Christmas story if we want to enter the kingdom of God. We have to change, he says, and become like children. 
We have to follow. I mean, God's not asking us to do anything God hasn't already done. God became a child. And of course, you know, Nicodemus, when Jesus said he had to be born, he was like, should I crawl back into my mother's womb? And I was like, ah, Nicodemus, I didn't need that image. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. He's talking about a spiritual birth. We have to lower ourselves, give up our power and our privilege and our know-it-all attitudes and become humble and dependent. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who's written a number of pieces on Christmas, Um, says this, who among us will celebrate Christmas correctly? Whoever finally lays down all power, all honor, all reputation, all vanity, all arrogance, all individualism beside the manger. This is the point of the Christmas story. In the next verse, Jesus tells them this. He adds one more mandate. He says, first, you have to become like a child. And second, he says this, and, so he's adding to it, and whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. So he says this, one, you have to become like a child. And two, you have to welcome children. Now, he's talking about hospitality. You have to care for and protect, become a safe place for children. In a sense, we can summarize these commands in our faith into these two mandates. In fact, James would say this summarizes our entire religion. James says the entire point of religion that is pure and faultless before God is to care for children and to live unpolluted, so live innocent like a child. In other words, we can summarize our faith by saying, one, we are charged to care for those who are marginalized and vulnerable. Children is just a a placeholder for vulnerable and marginalized and in need. Care for those in need. And two, We have to become like those who are marginalized and vulnerable. Do you see what I'm talking about? When Jesus says, become like a child and welcome children, that's what he's saying. And it's not just here. You know, he says uh, throughout the scriptures, it says, care for the poor. But you know what Jesus adds to that in Matthew 5? He says, blessed are the poor. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. They will inherit the kingdom of heaven. You know, it's the same sort of language. He says, you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, you have to become a child. You want to inherit the kingdom of heaven, you have to become poor. You know, throughout Scripture, it says, feed the hungry. Matthew 25 is one great example, but it's throughout Scripture. But Jesus says in Matthew 5, blessed are those who are hungry and those who thirst. It says, give to the poor, but he also says, it's nearly impossible for someone rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples even say, how is, that, how is it possible for anyone to enter? The, he's like, well, what's possible for man is possible for God. But he basically suggests in this story that it's nearly impossible for someone who's rich to enter the kingdom of God. In other words, these are different sides of the same equation. We are called to care for those who are vulnerable and marginalized and become more like those who are vulnerable and marginalized. And, and if I'm honest and if I know anything about myself and you all, I find one of these a lot easier than the other. If I would critique the American church in particular, and that's the one that I've experienced, I would say that the American church is better at one than the other. We love caring for the vulnerable. We're not nearly as happy as what Jesus would say, picking up your cross and becoming like the vulnerable, becoming like the child. Here at Central City Church, we spend an immense amount of energy and resources on caring for children. We, we estimated that um, Little Bottoms Free Store, uh, since launching, has served somewhere between 20 to 25 percent of the children, zero through three, in the Columbus area who are living in poverty. It's huge. It's, in, it's, it's insane. 
Um, we've served over 800 unique children, and many of those we've served many, many times. Every week we're serving some of the littlest and, and smallest and the most vulnerable people in our area, in our, in our little area. We're well on our way to distributing over 40,000 diapers in 2021 alone. And we invite you to participate in that. You can help. We, we, this is a very, very real, very close way to, to welcome children, to care for our area's children. Here's a couple of really simple ones. Next week, Community Sunday. Just come. We're, you'll get to hear a little bit. You'll get to decorate. you get to wrap presents. you get to decorate. There'll be something for everyone. And we'll, we'll be able to give back to an organization, to a ministry that's, that that, that's going to make a difference in the community. And you're welcome to do that. It'll be at 930. It'll be at Little Bottoms Free Store, 89 West Park. You can find it on our website. It's going to be great. Another way you can make a difference is right now uh, you could go and you can order presents. I think there's still some probably left. Denise is here. Yeah, you can go to our Christmas wish list. You can find that list on our website, centralcity.co. You can order those. If you order them in the next day or two, they'll probably come in time to wrap on Sunday. Um, and uh, you can do that. It's super easy. And finally, we're doing a Giving Tuesday push uh, on Giving Tuesday, which is uh, after Cyber Monday. I don't know these things are. But anyways, Giving Tuesday is a thing, and Little Bottoms is doing a push. So you can invite your family and friends to give the Little Bottoms free store. Very easy, tangible ways to make a difference in the life of a child. And I want to thank you for being the type of community that it, for everyone who's volunteered, given, donated, it's a beautiful thing. And, and I challenge you to go big this year, caring for some of our area's most vulnerable children. But here's what I'm here to say. I'm not going to push that hard because you're going to do that. I trust in your ability to show up next week. and to, I mean, you're doing that already. Here's where I want to challenge you. That's just the start. That's just the foundation. Because that's not all Jesus wants from you. Jesus doesn't want us to just care for children, but to become like a child, to lower ourselves, to become humble, to become like those who we care for, to become equals. Little Bombs Free Store was started in part by borrowing from our friends at Church for All People on the south side. They have a free store. The pastor there is a colleague in the United Methodist Church. They're a premier example of what it means to not only serve the poor, but to build a community for all people. We tried to model our free store off of them as, as many ways as we could, but there's one thing that we couldn't quite duplicate that I still think is really fascinating. You see, at their free store, at least at one point, I don't know if they still do this, but at one point, their free store, you couldn't volunteer at the free store unless you became a member and shopped at the free store. I think that's really interesting. I, I don't, like I said, I don't know if they still do that, but I know at one point you couldn't become a volunteer without first becoming a member. It's this idea that, 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 they, that when they open up the free store, they're giving away God's grace. It's just free. You didn't earn it. You can't, you can't pay for it. It's just God's grace that you're giving it away. And, and, and um, this idea that we shouldn't withhold God's grace from anyone. We all are in need of God's grace. Now, I wish we could do that for Little Bottoms. The truth is, most volunteers don't have children zero through three, and that's who we serve, so you know it wouldn't really work. But what I can say is this, that, that if you're a person in our church community uh, who has a child zero through three, and I know most of you have donated to Little Bottoms in some way, I want you to imagine what it would be like to become a member of Little Bottoms Free Store. What would it be like to show up on a Thursday night and wait in line? Go through the registration process, you know, walk through the store with a volunteer picking out clothes and then dressing your child in those clothes. Or what they say on the South Side, clothing your children in grace, right? Because they view it all as God's grace, an extension of God's grace, which I think is pretty beautiful. 
all these children in central Ohio are being clothed in grace because we're just giving clothes away, and that's what grace is. It's just free, undeserved favor. Now, some of you say, like, I don't want to do that. I'm not going to stand in line at the free store or at the south side free store or at a community dinner. I'm okay on this side of the room where I'm the one serving, where I'm the one giving, but I'm not a participant. I don't need those things. Friends, that's where the challenge lies today. That's where I want to push you a little bit. Why does that make you uncomfortable? If that, make, if that idea makes you uncomfortable, standing in line for a free meal that you didn't give anything towards, you didn't pay, you didn't donate, you didn't volunteer, you're just showing up for a free meal, why would that make you uncomfortable? You know, we live in such a segregated society, separated between those who give and those who receive. Those who have and those who don't, those who are generous and those who need our generosity. And by those very virtues, the way in which our world works, we live in a society that then views some as better than others because of that. And that's not how the kingdom of God is supposed to work. It's not. Think about it like this. Try to imagine a family member over Thanksgiving. I'm assuming most of you celebrated Thanksgiving. Try to imagine a family member who's providing the Thanksgiving meal, and they decide not to eat it. They say, you know, like, I'm just going to wait and get my own food at home. I can, I can afford my own food. I'm not going to eat with you guys. I don't want to take from those who need it. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if a family member this past Thanksgiving refused to eat the meal that they provided for Thanksgiving because they could afford to eat it at their own home and you all clearly needed it more? How would that make you feel? Would you feel like you were a member of that family? No. Well, how is it any different for us to donate to a free store but unwilling to shop, to volunteer at a soup kitchen but unwilling to sit down and eat a meal? Now, some of you are probably thinking, Joe, you're being crazy, and yeah, I am a little crazy. I would argue that I'm no more crazy than Jesus. You can tweet that. <laughs> I'm not the one who said the kingdom of God belongs to the poor. I'm not the one who said that the meek are the ones who are going to inherit the kingdom of God, that the pure in heart those who are innocent and needy and humble, like children, are the ones who are actually going to see God. That the only way to enter God's kingdom is to be like a child, low status, poor, and needy. Jesus said those things. And so we have to ask the question, we have to wrestle with this. Do I want to be a disciple of Jesus or not? Because it's not either or. It's both and. God invites us to become like a child and to care for children to become like the poor and to care for the poor, to become people who are hungry and to care for those who are hungry. Both and. I, I think the free store uh, on the, for people, the, the free store for all people on the south side is brilliant. You, you, you can't give unless you're willing to receive. You can't volunteer unless you become a member. You can't donate unless you're willing to shop. In other words, we don't just need to care for vulnerable people. We need to lower ourselves and become like that. This Christmas, this is my challenge as we talk about what it means to be like a child. Number one is find a way to make a difference in a child's life other than your own. Find a way to make a difference in a child's life other than your own. You're, I mean, you're going to, Christmas is all about our kids. Finn will be spoiled. That's, I'll confess that to you all. That's my sin. Um, God forgive me. He's, you know, he will. But find a way to make a difference in a child's life other than someone you're related to. 
you know, whether it's showing up next week or doing the Christmas wish list or uh, the Giving Tuesday post or some other organization, like whatever the spirit is leading you, there's no obligation here. I'm just saying these are things that we're doing and you're welcome to participate. That's the first one. It's a real challenge. I want you to, I want you to write it down. Second one is this. Find a way to become like a child. Find a way to lower yourself this Christmas. Because giving and serving and volunteering is sometimes a way to elevate ourselves. We do that because it makes it feel good. Find a way to lower yourselves. If you have a child, zero to three, come on a Thursday and shop. I didn't run this by Denise or Heidi, so I, you know, but they're, they're, I, I know that when we started, that was always our hopes. And we would tell people, um, you know, when they donated, like, come back and shop. You donate the clothes that they outgrew, get, get bigger clothes. You know, like, this is, we're all in this together. And this is, this is, you're not too good for this. You're not too good for this. Nobody is. Um, if, if you don't, you can find a community dinner you, to show up, participate. You can go to the United Methodist Free Store. This is a real challenge. This is something I'm going to, I haven't talked to Alyssa about this, but we're going to do it. I'm, I'm, I'm a little uncomfortable. Um, uh, this is going to make me uncomfortable, but I'm going to stop by a free store, not to volunteer, but to just um, take something home. And, and here's the thing. Now, I know what you're going to say. I don't want to take from those who need it. Well, here's, here's my promise. And I, God, God damn me if I'm wrong. My promise is this, the dividends that will come from that experience, the way in which it'll transform your heart and make you more generous and more humble and more caring, trust me, you will in the end multiply what is available to those who need it. That's what I think will happen. You will in the process be building the kingdom of God, which is something far more substantial than a simple charity. You'll be living out what it means to be a part of God's family, a family for all people. If you want to enter God's kingdom, we have to lower ourselves. He says there's no other way in. Anything less, and we've failed to understand the Christmas story, a story about how God gave up everything to become like one of us, to come to us like a child. So today, we're going to, on this uh, first Sunday in Advent, we are lighting a candle. Van wants to come and get ready for the closing song. Um, we light this candle for all the children in the world. May we, by becoming like a child, humble ourselves and by doing, increase our ability to, to, to love and to be generous towards our city's most vulnerable. Each week as we prepare for Advent, we'll be lighting a candle. Except for next week, we'll be at Little Bottoms. We might not have candles there. All the way leading up to Christmas Eve service as we sort of work towards and prepare our hearts to celebrate the birth of the Christ child. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks. We ask that you would enable us to be your people. That in those times where we find ourselves comparing each other and arguing about who's best and who's greatest and all of these things, that you'd remind us that that's not what it means to be a part of your family that you've invited us to become needy and dependent. You've invited us to humble ourselves, to recognize that we don't have the answers, that we don't have the solutions, that we all need you and your grace. In your name we pray. Amen.